Wellbeing Creative Podcast is fueled by my good friends at Great Lakes Coffee Roasting Co. Celebrating their 25th year anniversary, Great Lakes Coffee believes that coffee is no longer a commodity. It defines a community. It tells their story, local, global, and everywhere in between. Sourcing direct from farmers, roasting here in Detroit, and always handcrafted, this is coffee as it's meant to be. So, whether you're sipping from your favorite mug at home or savoring the last drop at one of their three shops or countless coffee bars, know that you're part of the story. Because at the Great Lakes Coffee Roasting Company, it's not just about what you're drinking, it's about the journey to your cup and where we'll go from there. Wellbeing creative listeners can get their caffeine fixed by using code WELLBEING for 10% off your first order at greatlakescoffee.com. Again, that's promo code WELLBEING for 10% off your first order at greatlakescoffee.com. I truly believe that we are all created for a strategic purpose and a strategic reason. There is something that we are designed to do. And if you are still alive, you've yet to finalize your purpose. You're listening to Wellbeing Creative, a podcast that breaks down stigmas and creates a conversation surrounding well-being in the creative fields. My name is Harrison Diskin, and I'll be sitting down with creators of all types to discuss how they manage the inevitable stress, anxiety, and health choices that come along with creating in today's wild world. Hey, it's Harrison, and my guest today is one of the most positive influences in the city of Detroit, and his influence is gaining momentum as he reaches computer and phone screens across the globe. Kevin Irwin II is the senior manager of experience for a very cool company called StockX. Amongst Kevin's responsibilities at StockX, he is the charming host of the company's popular YouTube series, Market Watch, where he discusses trends and news in the streetwear world each week. I'm always excited to tune into Kevin's broadcasts as his charisma is so infectious. So when the opportunity to have Kevin on the podcast as a guest, it was a no-brainer. So it's with great pleasure I welcome Kevin Irwin II onto Wellbeing Creative. Kevin, welcome to the show. Are you ready to chat? Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you like that intro? That was beautiful, man. Thank you so much. I typically like I know it's 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 weird to hear me say this, but in many regards I'm a very shy person. Mm. And I'm extremely shy when it comes to accolades or tell me what you've done or like what type of person are you? Like I'm I'm never the person I would have never said that about myself. Yeah. Well, so that's I'm humbled by it. And thank you so much. Shout yeah. out to Harrison. Shout out to Clay. Shout out to the podcast. Thank y'all for having me. Yes, of course. Welcome, welcome. Let's get right into it. You um so how are you such a positive person? Are you are you literally always smiling even when people aren't looking at you? I uh, I would say ninety nine percent of the time I am. And it's because, like we were talking about earlier, like I'm so blessed to be alive, man. And mm-hmm. I do not take that for granted. Like if you, um, you probably know because we follow each other on IG. But yeah. for the people who will listen, uh, if you're not following me, follow me. At, at Kev Knows. K-E-V-K-N-O-W-S. And the first thing that you'll see every single morning is me artic- articulating that thankfulness. Mm-hmm. And I do it. Not only for myself, but I wanted to serve as a reminder to other people. Because like you said, that infectious, infectious personality and infectious charisma, I want positivity to be infectious. Mm -hmm. So I would say the majority of my life, I'm definitely like smiling, having fun, and I'm positive. I go through real world shit, Mm -hmm. but I, can I cuss on here? Yeah, of course. Okay. I go through real world stuff, but I I remember um, 
like my whole life changed a couple of years ago and it it changed years before that but two years ago i was on stage hosting an event for like quicken loans mm -hmm. and during that i really understood what i feel is my god-given purpose mm -hmm. and that's to communicate information as a means to inspire and motivate people so i needed to figure out every single opportunity I could to do that. And not to do it on a random event, but how can I do that every single day of my life? Mm -hmm. And understanding that and having that realization, I took it as a responsibility. Like say like a superhero, and you hear the person screaming in the alley. Like, you are drawn to that. You have to go save that person. Oh, yeah. So for me, it was like every day I'm waking up and negativity is that screaming person. Yeah. And it's everywhere. So I have to be that positive force that goes, you know, save everyone, you know. Yeah, no, I relate to that. You know, we do that Grisbus project every year with yeah. the fundraising. And this year we were, we were reflecting on uh, some of what we were working on. And what came about to me was that responsibility. It's like once we realized that we could do it, mm -hmm. it almost became something we had to do. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we'd kind of be like shitty people, you know? Facts, man. Yeah. So I totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, like you wake up every day just grateful and that's such a good thing. But there are unfortunately a lot of people who wake up with the exact opposite mindset. So what do you say to that person that's, you know, in that situation struggling to find positivity? Man, so... A lot of stuff on my Instagram, I uh, sometimes I throw out questions. Like I'll post like sneak. I, I do regular Instagram stuff, mm -hmm. but oftentimes I'm also asking questions. Mm -hmm. And I think the question that I asked a couple of days ago, and I'm paraphrasing at this point, is said, um, "At this point in my life, I am able to." have a situation occur, and if it's a negative situation or whatever, I'm able to let it go and not dwell on it. Mm -hmm. And then I added a poll. Like, you can select same for me, or you can say, like, give me tips. And I think about 16 people said, give me tips. Mm -hmm. And then there was this other larger number that said they were good. And I made it a point to go through and respond to people because if you said something... You said give me tips. Like, I don't want to be like this asshole that didn't give you a tip. Right. Um, and I wish that I could go through, but I'm not connected to the Wi-Fi. So I can read you literally what I said to people. But essentially, my tip for people would be like, we're all here for a reason. I truly believe that we are all created for a strategic purpose and a strategic reason. There is something that we are designed to do. And if you are still alive, your purpose can the the your perp you've yet to finalize your purpose because I also feel like only in death can your purpose be carried on. Mm -hmm. So if you are alive, then there is still something that you have to do, and you're not going to find that thing being negative. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, I saw something that said life is ten percent what happens to you and ninety percent how you react. Oh yeah, and regardless of what's happening to you, it's your response to that. And for me, I I said this thing, or I created this thing when I started to speak, and I used to say, digest your destiny. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be the best podcaster in the world or you want to be the best speaker in the world, but you're not digesting the information that will allow you and help you to get there, then I question if that's really what you want to do. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm a firm believer in what you put inside of yourself is what comes out. You see that when people, they eat. If I drink a whole bunch of pop, I'm going to have pimples all over my face. Like right. I know that's what's going to happen to me. So I don't do that. So if you're looking to be more of a positive person, monitor the music that you're listening to, the, the shows that you're watching. Start creating your reality instead of consuming the reality of others. Yeah. So li- feed yourself that positive energy, and I promise you, like, you will start to see differences. That's good advice. Yeah. I mean, it, it reminds me of like the analogy of, of like a garden, you know, and you like, you, mm. you wouldn't just like plant random seeds if you wanted a specific plant or mm. flower. You yeah. Know? And, and then furthermore, like you wouldn't spend time watering a plant that doesn't need to be watered. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, just because you might be following what might feel like your purpose and you might feel like you lost that. It, it's just all part of like the path to, to really get you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And, it was a word that popped into my mind when you talked about that plant analogy, how mm-hmm. you don't plant random plants. Right. And it's intentionality. Yeah. Like, have a purpose for doing the things that you're doing. Yeah. It's like, if, if I get in my car and I don't have a destination in mind, I'm going to be driving around aimlessly, wasting gas and wasting money. But if I know where I'm going, I'm going to go straight there. Mm-hmm. It's like the same for your energy or what you're putting inside your body. Like, one plus one is going to give you two. Like, so what are some strategies that, that people can take to, to really implement this into their lives well for me um since i've talked about instagram a lot social media is 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 very interesting because the person that i was five years ago when i made my twitter account isn't the person hopefully that i am now Mm -hmm. so sometimes you have to go through a purge you have to unfollow certain people yeah because you're digesting these tweets these posts you're looking at things and whether or not you realize it, you're feeding yourself yeah either subconsciously or consciously But one of those two are digesting and transforming and becoming something different that you're not always proud of because you weren't, again, intentional in creating that initial experience. So I would say do a purge. That's something I do very often. Instagram, Twitter, wipe out the people that no longer are are serving the person that I am now. What about physically? Like, you know, if there's a friendship or or a toxic relationship that you might be in that you feel you're just giving too much to, you know, similar. It's like, you know, in, in real life too, outside of social media, yeah. I feel like it exists. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Like you always hear, uh, like millionaires, billionaires, famous people, like the three to five closest people around you are you know, who, who you, you are mm-hmm. essentially. Make up you. Yeah. 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 And that happens a lot with people in, um, early, early thirties, late mid twenties, you like when you go to high school, like sometimes you can choose your friends, mm-hmm. but a lot of times your friends really do choose you. Right. And I know like for me, like we go to a, a performing arts school. So like I'm surrounded by people who act like I do. And a lot of times, even if you like I'm born and raised in the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. I didn't go away for college. So I'm still in the city. So a lot of my friends are the same friends from high school. And I'm blessed that I got a solid crew right now. Right. Shout out JG, shout out Jonte, shout out Kyle, shout out Marcus, you know, the whole team, shout out Thomas. Word. So I'm blessed to have a solid crew. Yeah. But a lot of people are still hanging around the same people that they were hanging around 10 years ago. And you've evolved. Some people have devolved. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, I love analogies, but it's like a plane. Yeah. The higher you go, the less baggage you can take. Because at a certain point, that baggage is going to start to weigh you down. Oh, yeah. And if I'm walking up 30 flights of stairs with 100 pounds, I'm not going to get as far as I am walking with my own weight. Right. So sometimes you got to shed you you shed that weight, man. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on how high you want to go. Mm-hmm. But that's that. It, we don't take inventory of ourselves a lot. 
And then you look around and you wonder where you are. And it's because, again, you haven't been intentional in watering those plants and planting those right seeds like you were talking about. Yeah. So it really does come to a lot of like evaluating and taking stock and taking inventory on what's important and where your priorities are in life. Facts, for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's back it up a little bit. So you said you grew up in Detroit. Yay, yay. Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. What were some of your uh, influences that, that you know, uh, that contributed to who you are today? Um, well, I was conceived on the east side, uh, raised on the west side. I went to David Ellis. Well, first I went to, uh, I don't know where that school was, but it's off 8 Mile in Schaefer. It's no longer a school anymore. I think they tore it down. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, where I went in for kindergarten. Then I went to David Ellis Academy. But um, my my memories are never revolved around school. It's always revolved around, like, the streets. Mm-hmm. And in particular, uh, Finkel and Freeland near mm-hmm. Schaefer, where we used to play basketball at Tony's crib and Mark's crib. Rest in peace, Mark, who was an amazing individual. Um, we talk, So, like, what I say in my life is I didn't have many role models. Mm-hmm. Like, my grandma's a role model. But at this point, right now, what I was thinking of was Mark was a black guy in the hood who owned... Justin's record store mm-hmm. and owned his own record store. Right. We used to hoop in front of Mark Crib and he took care of his community. So shout out to Mark. For me, my influences was more so, like my grandma. Like my grandma is my biggest influence. Like she is, I pray for my grandma every morning when I wake up. Mm-hmm. And uh, her husband, my grandpa James, passed away when I was very young. He actually died in my house due to a fire mm-hmm. uh, when we were away on a trip or something like that. But Grandpa James like drew this thing that my mom gave to me that he drew for me. And it said, the flavors in the parlor aren't the same without your receipt. And that's something that I think about my grandmother. Like the flavors in our family wouldn't be the same without her receipt. Mm-hmm. So I would say like my biggest role model, man, like my grandma, like she's just a strong individual. Her nickname is Pitt. Cause she's a pit bull. Yeah. And <laughs> grandma is like, she, she, my, that's my girl. So my grandma is a huge inspiration. Um, childhood was great. Like my mom did everything that she could for us. Yeah. My father was locked up for a minute and he came out and, uh, you know, we're now getting on better terms mm-hmm. and it's something that I really want to, it's like, I'm stuck in the middle. Like I really want to be best friends, but then it's like, you know, that pain is still there. Yeah. But as I grow up and I evolve, I understand that it's bigger than that. Like we talked about 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react. Right. And, um, I want to react differently because I have a six year old son. Okay. You know what I mean? And forbid our relationship was torn and he looked at things the way that I did, even though if he was right and uh, timing is everything. But for me, man, childhood was great. My mom did everything that she could to make us feel love, make us feel warm. Uh, television raised me. I'm a big movie person. So mm-hmm. I love movies. And then that's where my love for acting happened. And I used to wait until the paper towel roll got done down to the cardboard and that would be my Oscar and like, you know, fake my speeches. And I had a really good childhood. Shout out my little sister, Melinda, who's like my best friend. Like, you know, we held it down. That's awesome. I mean, but like that area growing up is not like the, uh, you know, I don't know, the Finkel area is it's pretty gang gang related area. I don't really think it was gangs back no. then. There used to be a dude in the hood named Cocky Chris, who they uh-huh. said was no, go around knocking people out. Okay, I never, okay. I never ran into Cocky Chris, uh-huh. but uh, I mean, we used to hoop a lot. Like it was, I mean, you had like you had crack houses, you yeah. had crackheads, you Wasn't had like drug the, dealers, the Finkel like, boys, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I never ran into them. Okay, and, like, good, the good, thing, good. Like since I was a kid, like. I don't know if it was my block or my grandma had to respect, but ain't nobody really messed with us like that. Like, yeah. it was cool. The drug dealers was buying all the kids ice cream. We would come outside and we would hoop. Okay. And it was all good. It was like I never was challenged or like forced into the gang life or anything like that. I was a young kid doing my thing. And then when I got into acting, like 
that was my whole thing. Like mm-hmm. I used to hoop in the streets it and I wanted to lane. act. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was what I did. But this like, you know, just to paint the landscape, it's still like the inner city, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah. if, you know, the craziest thing is riding down my grandma's house because she still stay there. Yeah. She's she's been living in that house for fifty plus years. Mm-hmm. And to witness the decline of an area that was once affluent. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you can almost say that there are more or half of the houses on the block are abandoned. Mm-hmm. So you can, I mean, like that's that's the that's that's the worst part about it is like seeing all of the businesses and the liquor stores and the candy stores that yeah. you used to go into when you was a kid. You can still see all their signs yeah, and all that and, too. But it's closed. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the that's the worst part. It is part wild. About it. Yeah, yeah, it means at some point they were open and For bustling, sure. you know. And less than twenty years ago. Yeah. Like they were up. Yeah. But um yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your son. Yeah, my boy. Yeah, what's his name? Josiah. Josiah. And don't call him Josiah because he will correct you. Oh, yeah. What about Joe or Joey or anything? Oh, like that? I got nicknames. Like okay, cool, cool. Look, Joe, Joe, Joe. B I G, Joey O, Smudgy, Splish. Like, I, I go crazy. He's going to love all those when he gets older. Bro, I older. love him. Yeah. He probably, I don't know what he is. <laughs> Sonic is like the big thing because he's like, he's really athletic and really fast. Uh-huh. And he loves Sonic. That's cool. So that's that's another one. But Splioshi. How, how old were you when you had him? 22. Okay. Yeah, and that's why I kind of have like this love for Meek Mill. Yeah. Because for me, having a child at that age and not it not being planned yeah. was like scary. Yeah. And it was almost like, fuck, like my life is over a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I remember Meek Mill had his son when he was 22. Yeah. And my son was born February 24th. And then my April is, my birthday is April 11. So I was 22 going on 23. But I remember be like being like, man, like look at Meek, like Meek out here doing his thing. Like, yeah. It's not over for me. Like I really felt like that. And a lot has happened between now and then in your life. Oh, everything's facts. happened. Yeah. And, and, I am so blessed to have my son because he has literally changed the landscape of my life. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What, yeah. what, what has ha- what what did having your son teach you uh, about life and and kind of you know what direction did it put you in from there? Let me let me answer the second one first. The direction that it put me in. Mm-hmm. I used to drink, mm-hmm. and I used to be like the person that would go to the bar. And they wouldn't have like the alcohol I liked or like some Hennessy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Give me a beer, but make it the beer that has the highest alcohol volume. Like, give me that beer. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I didn't have a conscious. Like, I wouldn't understand when too much was too much. Mm -hmm. I would continuously drink. So a friend of mine, Marcus, shout out my boy Marcus, moved out to L.A. And his girlfriend at the time, now his wife, had come to Detroit for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And it was snowing. And Mm -hmm. we were hanging out. And I'm like, man, let's do everything. I met him at Fishbones. I'm like, we're drinking. Let's go karaoke. We drive to Ferndale. We're karaoke. We drive back to my place. They get into like a little argument. He's like, I'm like, y'all just stay here. Just chill here. He's like, no, take me to my car, which was down here. Yeah. I'm literally at home. He's like, take me to my car. We go to the car down here. I'm talking to him. I'm up. I'm as vibrant as I am with you right now. Yeah. I exited out of Detroit 1, which is the parking lot right across from the city of Detroit building. Mm-hmm. I'm making a right on Larner. I make a right on Jefferson. And I wake up and I'm in a pole. Yeah. And all I remember was, and I had some dreams before then about like like an accident type of thing. And I woke yeah. up. All I heard was like, doom. And I w- lifted my head up. I was like, fuck. Got out of the car. This is 2013. Okay. This is... Maybe two weeks before my son is born. Oh, jeez. I get out of the car. 2013, still to this day, you rarely will see a tow truck downtown Detroit. Yeah. This tow truck was there. I don't know who called him. 
And the first thing he said to me when he got out of the car was like, you got out of this? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't supposed to. And I remember tasting that like metal or like iron from the airbag on my lips. And I'll never forget that taste. Mm-hmm. But total my car there. You thought I learned my lesson. No scratches. Mm-hmm. Like people have died from less. I'm on Jefferson. Yeah. Like what if my car had to hit the pole even harder? What if I veered off into the oncoming traffic? What if I went down MTN, the Lodge Freeway? To on- like, totally. so many variables could have existed. And you would have thought I learned my lesson is slowly but surely no, no, saying no to drinks, turning into, I'll have one and I'm okay. And then one floodgates are open at that point. Yeah. So fast forward, 2013, or not 2013, 2014, son is, I think he's two years old at this point, got into another car accident. Yeah. This one, I, I, I promise you, promise you, Harrison. I'm drunk as fuck. Yeah. I'm standing outside of the new Ford building, the old train station. Outside of my car door, my arms are open. I'm rapping. I'm singing. It's by myself. It's like 2, 3 in the morning. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I get in my car. I had a dope-ass fusion at the time. And when you sped, you could, like, the music would go up louder. Yeah. So I'm speeding. I'm listening to J. Cole. And I promise you, I heard the devil say, speed. Faster. I, and I grabbed the wheel. And I floored it. And I look down and I'm going 80 miles per hour in a residential neighborhood. And all I see is like the houses, the cars, and then it kicks in like you are going too fast. Mm-hmm. And instead of gradually decreasing my speed, I slammed on the brakes. Car went out of control and I flipped over and went through a tree. Hmm. The only scratch that I have is like this little mark by my wrist. Yeah. My wrist. And I ask God to never remove it so I can always have that in my mind. But in those moments... Like, I, I I was living for myself. Yeah. So to your question of how much my son has changed my life, I started to truly understand that there is something bigger than myself here. It comes back to purpose. Goes back to purpose. Goes mm-hmm. back to positivity. Goes back to inspirations. There is something more for me, and I can't do it if I'm not being intentional. Mm-hmm. So the seeds that I started to plant were more so into my son, and he started to plant seeds into me. Mm-hmm. Seeds of understanding that there's greater here, that there's more to life than living for yourself, and I started to live for him. So that's how he changed my life completely. I'll be a totally different person. I may not even be alive, like for real, if it wasn't for him. Because there have been nights I'm not going out. I'm going home. I'm not doing it. Josiah like yeah. Joe is always on my mind that's beautiful yeah, I and I, I feel like a lot of people listening can can draw from that more than just you know you, you don't have to have a kid to feel that you know yeah, sometimes yeah. you can realize that you're treating yourself poorly and you can put uh you know put that intention back into something more positive and instead of saying I'm gonna go out drinking I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in and I'm gonna create or I'm gonna stay in and I'm gonna put my efforts into something better than, yeah. than just like kind of damaging myself facts so um, it's good that you recognize that, especially at like an earlier age too. Mm. Um, and I'm sure Josiah had a big effect on that too. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's apparent that your faith plays a pretty big role in your life. Um, mm-hmm. w- have you always been so connected with your spirituality? I think growing up in a church, like mm-hmm. you know, everybody grew up in the church, or at least, you know, like all my friends and my family did. Like we grew yeah. up in the church, singing in a choir, you hit vacation Bible school and you do all of that. But for me, I I had to step outside of what was normal yeah. and the tradition and understand God for myself. And it was in those moments where I truly understood and felt like I had a purpose. And yeah. it wasn't until I stepped out and went on my own and searched that way that my faith cemented. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's I, I listen to gospel music all the time. I listen to sermons all of the time. My mm-hmm. aunt is a, a pastor 
I'm at a church called St. John's Presbyterian Church off Lafayette. So I've been spending some Sundays in there with her, getting more in tune and getting more in the spirit. But yeah, God drives my life. Like he is, he is the captain of my ship. Yeah. I am not, I am in no way, shape or form a planner. Mm-hmm. And in some regards, I would say that I'm not a very strategic person. Mm-hmm. And I've been so blessed in my life that my rule is like, be a great person, work hard, treat people well, and God will take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. And I know that even beyond the accidents, I know certain things that it's like, it's, it's not me. Like, it's, it's all God. There's yeah. no explanation for it. But I know like that is the explanation. That's a comforting thing to put your trust in, though. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, that's, man, I remember I was, uh, Driving down, driving to work one day, and Yolanda, Yolanda Adams used to be on the radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's uh, Erica Campbell and Griff. But during that time when Yolanda was on the radio, they were talking about God. Yeah. And they said that it's a comforting feeling believing in God. Mm-hmm. It's something about it that you know everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's this inexplicable thing. You, you, trust you know and like i ha- i have that peace i have that joy like i don't believe anything is gonna go crazy like people are like why why would you go there like why would you do that it's like I, I truly don't feel threatened i don't feel bothered and yeah. some may say it's not na- naivete or some may say like you know you think you're more than what you are but it's like i'm not even thinking about myself like mm-hmm. my god is greater than whatever is out here this whole world is greater than what, what is out there. On, you know, I mean, I mean, so for me, I totally agree. And oftentimes I do call it God and, mm-hmm. and I'm, all, you know, when I'm praying, I'm praying to God, but also I want to make sure everyone listening knows that it doesn't have to be God too, facts, you know, facts. and it's just faith and spirituality and something mm-hmm. can be comforting. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the reason why, it, you know, this whole, to me, why religion makes so much sense is because it, it is so, you know, the, the, basics of what God teaches and Jesus teaches. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Jewish, so I, I don't mm-hmm. know as much as, you know, some others may, but it seems like it goes back to just being a good person, Yeah, you know, and yeah. just doing what's right. Yeah, man. And that's like, and hopefully when I speak, I don't offend anyone, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I got to tell my truth Yeah, and yeah. I'm respectful to anyone and everyone's belief Yeah, by far. I don't like, think I, our listeners get offended by okay, different viewpoints. Sure. Yeah, Shout out to not. the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty open-minded. Um, that's great, man. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about StockX. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't really touched on it. So StockX, tell us about the company in, in general. Uh, well, StockX is the world's first online stock market of things. Mm-hmm. And that's like a crazy way to explain it because it really doesn't make sense. But if you think of a stock market, uh, none of the items are tangible. Mm-hmm. You have no idea where they come from. You click a button and it's, it's, it's you have it. Right. type of thing. What with us, we're the luxury secondary economy. Mm-hmm. And what we've been able to do is be a platform and a bridge between buyers and sellers. And we operate on three tenets. And I call them our ATAs. Mm-hmm. Like the first A is anonymity because even though we're operating in tangible commodities like sneakers and streetwear, things you can actually touch, we still have stock market like mindset and, mm-hmm. and values. Wherein if the three of us want to Air Jordan 1, that the rest of the world is selling and we know it's going to be real and we're going to pay a fair price. We probably don't care which one of the billions of people out there are going to give it to us. We want that item. Right. So it's an anonymous marketplace because it shouldn't matter who's selling it to you, who's buying it from you. Right. If you get it. And then the T is the transparency. Like if you go on eBay, uh, especially years, years prior, 
you could search that same Jordan one we used in the first example. You would probably get 50 different pages mm -hmm. with different price points. Some are new, some are used. You would have to filter and like, hopefully you got the right one. Mm -hmm. With us, you don't have to worry about prices because StockX doesn't set a price. Mm -hmm. When you come to the site, StockX will never say this shoe is worth $400. The market sets the, the price. The market sets the price. Mm -hmm. Whatever the people say it's worth, whatever the people are paying for is the true value. So you know for sure that you're paying a fair market price. Mm -hmm. So it's anonymous. It's a fair market price. And before it ever reaches the consumer, we authenticate it. Mm -hmm. And you came to the spot. Yeah, like, yeah. I knew that's have, what the last day was yeah, for. Oh, yeah. yeah. People, People like, smelling the shoes. Right, it's real. Like yeah. we go through and legitimize every single item. Yeah. And we see fakes come through. We have a process for that. But the majority of the items that do come through are authentic. Mm -hmm. And we get them out. And so. I've also seen the room of the fakes. Yes. That's crazy. And, bro, I had a fake on my Instagram today. It was a Chicago one off white mm -hmm. and it sold on the site for $3,000. So and in it case was you fake. don't know, that's a shoe, a pair of shoes yeah. selling for $3,000. Yes. The, the original Michael Jordan that debuted in 1985, the new creative director of Louis Vuitton, which is also the creative director of Off-White and Ben Trill and all this other stuff is Virgil Abloh. And he got like 10 different shoes from yeah. Nike to like recreate. And the most hyped one was this Chicago Air Jordan 1 yeah. that went for $3,000. Insane. And we got a fake. That was a fake pair. But it sold for $3,000. Wow. And it's like a beautiful fake. Like walking, I'm showing them in the studio. If you're walking around, like nobody would, like there's no really, really thing that you can tell, but it's this is a fake shoe. Yeah. Yeah, I would never know the difference. Yeah. Okay, so we know what StockX is now. Um, I'm a huge fan of StockX. I've made several purchases off of off of the website. Um, how did you end up as StockX's culture ambassador, and now you're <laughs> filling those shoes of the senior manager of experience? Bro, my StockX story, we can start there, but, like, Dan Gilbert owns, like, a 100 or so different companies. Yeah, we call it the, the FOC. Yeah, the FOC. Okay. So I started with Quicken Loans. Yeah. And... When I started with Quicken Loans, I came in and thought I was going to be like this hotshot banker. And I came in for my interview, and I like to say I was my best Instagram self. Yeah. Like, I was exactly who I wanted you to believe I was. Mm -hmm. And I sold this lady a dream, and she hired me. And then a month later, I got fired. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> it, it, and it was my fault because mm -hmm. they gave me all the information, but I've never identified myself as, like, this traditional scholastic guy. Like, I've never been in the educational sense. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I've never been, like, Stay super, your, like, super, like, super like book smart. Like, color in the lines. Yeah, type. like, yeah. I'm, I, I like to act. Like, yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. what I like to do. Give me an acting class, I got all A's and O's. But everything else, like, I'm not really interested. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I say that is in order to become a mortgage banker, you have to take certain tests. Mm -hmm. Because a mortgage is, like, one of the deepest financial transactions anyone will ever do. Mm -hmm. So you should know what the hell you're doing before you mess with somebody's social security numbers and credit scores and all of that. Right. So you have to pass tests for every state in order to be licensed. In order to pass a test, you got to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know what you're doing, you got to study. I don't want to study. Mm -hmm. So I failed all the tests. And they was like, no, we don't need you anymore. Hmm. And I didn't have a car. Had to call my mom to come get me. And prior to that, like prior to Quicken Loans moving downtown and having the Super Bowl commercials, nobody knew who they were. Mm -hmm. I know I didn't until I worked there. And then I started to see this Quicken Loan sign. Right. And I would probably, you know, I wasn't the first person that was fired. No. But I felt special. And I was like, when my name is brought up, I won't be another person that got fired. So my boy Jonte, another homie I went to high school with. Yeah. Shout out to the Fashion Massacre. You know, so make sure I get y'all tickets. <laughs> uh, he got he, he on a fashion show. So okay. Gotta, it's coming up. It's called the Fashion Massacre. Fashion Massacre. Okay, cool, yeah. Cool. So he um 
he was working on the closing team. I was like, man, give me an, give me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. He got me an interview. And when I got the email from QL detailing my interview, like mm-hmm. the time and all of that, I read that email from the from line all the way to like the bottom of the email under the maps. Yeah. And under the map, it had like three questions. And what I realized in myself is that like I didn't get fired. Like I mentioned, it wasn't for lack of information because yeah. everything was there. It was my lack of application. I didn't apply the information. I didn't apply myself. Right. So I was like, I'm not missing out on this opportunity. So when it came to the end of the meeting and they were like, well, do you have any questions for us? Oh, yes, I do. And pulled out my three questions and then, you know, the rest is history. And I got hired on. Busted my ass six months later. I was hired full time out of the temp agency that I was originally hired through. On the closing team, full yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. And so closing I, team is like you're, you're any any time like a mortgage is difficult, they bring in the closing team to to finish it basically. So the the mortgage can already be complete. Okay. And if you're good with everything up until that point, mm-hmm. we may never do business. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're not good, if you get to the closing table and for some reason you didn't read your documents before the notary's there, yeah, you can call us and we would answer and walk you through and explain and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of that team. And I was a part of a team called Backline. And we would typically handle all email communication. Mm-hmm. And this lady named Jenna, who was like our director, had asked me to be a part of this hotline team that answered all calls. And I was scared. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Because it's literally like Russian roulette. On the spot. You never know what happens. And that's another thing where I realized like, say yes. Uh-huh. Jump in. You can always go back, but you may not have that opportunity to go forward. Right. So I should have said yes. So that was another thing that stuck in my mind. So after grinding for like a year, I got promoted to what we call leadership. So I was a team captain. Mm-hmm. Then I remember in one of our onboarding meetings, which is essentially this large meeting where a surplus of new hires from the family of companies get to go. Mm-hmm. And they hear Dan Gilbert speak and they hear Bill Emerson, who at the time was our CEO. And I remember Bill said that we're a flat company, meaning that you can reach out to anybody, the mm-hmm. CEO or anybody. And I'm the type of person, if I want something, you know, like I got to go get it. Right. So I was like, I'm talking to Bill. In this meeting, it was like thousands of people. I'm like, I'm talking to Bill. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the type of person, I, was, I don't care how long I got to wait. So I waited until like the people were cleaning up and yeah. I was still in there. I was like, I'm talking to Bill. So long story short there, Bill and I started to meet quarterly and all of my meetings revolved around visual ideas because I felt as though I could storytell Quicken Loans and I could create commercials. Yeah. And in order to be promoted to a leader, you have to go through ground school so you can be taught typical leader characteristics that they would like to see in their leaders. In order to graduate ground school, you have to interview a leader. can be anybody, but it can't be your direct leader. Yeah. So I chose a guy named Jay Farner, who at the time was the chief marketing officer. Because okay. if my ambition is to create commercials, it's got to be signed off by him. Totally. So again, going back and understanding the, the, the need to be prepared for situations. Like I wasn't prepared going in to be a mortgage banker. I need to be prepared now. So I booked the meeting room. It was like a phone interview. Booked the meeting room, had my 10 questions, went through those. And I, God spoke to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, ask him. And I was like, look, Jay, I really don't, I'm paraphrasing right now. I was like, Jay, you know, I don't know if we uh, have any opportunities, but I really feel as though I can create commercials for QL and give him a shot. I think we could really make something happen. And then a uh, long story short, he gave me a shot. Mm. And he created this role, and we have an, an, an internal team of bloggers, and we write external-facing content. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that by joining the blog team and writing, that I would understand the voice and tone of the company that would only help my commercials. Right. So I never liked writing, 
And at that moment, I also realized that I made an emotional decision when I should have made a strategic decision. Mm -hmm. And that was something that Diddy posted on Twitter and on Instagram, like move strategically, don't move emotionally. Because I walked into Jay's office and said, you know, I don't really think this is for me because how they proposed it was like, look, we'll give you a month on marketing. Right. Then after the month, you got to make a decision. If you're going to come over here for two more months, and we'll make it a three-month thing. But at the end of the three months, we don't know if you're going to have a position on this side. And you're also going to have to give up your captain position on the other team. Right. So you, we don't really know what's going to happen. You might not even have a paycheck. That was that was in May. Mm-hmm. My son was born that February. Oh, man. So I was like, man, I don't like writing. I'm writing, like, top five new windows for your homes and all this type of stuff. And I'm like, man, it's not me. So I left. And I literally hated work. Well, sidetrack, how do you make such a big, I mean, obviously like your son has a lot to do with it. You Mm -hmm. want that stability, but in any situation, and I think we're going to get to the point where you make the leap, but in any situation to get to a level of, you know, a certain level, you're going to have to make a a big leap and take a big risk. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a a risk as in like, maybe I'm going to go hungry or in this situation, maybe my my child might even, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think you would ever let that happen. Right, but, no. but, you know, it's like yeah. there's always that question of what am I going to do if this goes away? Yeah. So, so you know, what goes into that for you, um, you know, the risk and reward? So for me, I, since I had that month in the bag, I was like, yeah, I'll do it for a month. Like, I'm not losing anything. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to that decision as if I was going to move forward with something, mm-hmm. not having, well, here's the thing. I got to like, be honest like I don't even really think I, I, I thought about my son but it wasn't the first thing I thought of mm-hmm. because I thought on emotion and I really was like I don't want to write and that's what was happening I didn't I don't want to spend my life doing something I don't want to do mm-hmm. that's a terrible life right and I've lived that like after that situation, when I went back to closing, I used to hate going to sleep at night because yeah. I knew that when I woke up, I had to go to work. And yeah, I don't know if I asked, I probably didn't answer the question. No, so I mean, so you, you realize that, you know, there's there, the alternative would be going back to that, you know? Yeah. So, so at the time though, you chose to go back to it? Oh no, at the time. To- so when I chose to leap, yeah, it was a leap towards something, yeah. not a leap away from something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's an interesting decision-making point right like like let's go somewhere let's not run from something Mm -hmm. if we really don't need to run from it Mm -hmm. like unless it's life or death or something that's like i need to get out of the situation like i understand that but i want to i want to go somewhere i don't want to like don't close the door without another door being open yeah and like oftentimes and like as we go you know deeper into the story because those two titles culture ambassador and senior market manager of experience i made those up like yeah. i don't mean anything yeah, like yeah, those yeah. were roles created for me by me right so it's like even if it ain't a door like make one right like you know okay. or build your own house yeah and here's another thing like if that door of like look at it like this like you have to be the burglar of your dream house yeah Right. If it's your dream house, if it's your dream and you're the burglar, that front door might not be open. Mm -hmm. So do you leave your dreams or do you go knock on the side door? Do you might have to open up a back window to your dreams? Like get inside of your dream house, realize your dreams. But like take the burglar mindset, because if that door isn't open, I'm not about to walk away and go into somebody else's dream house. Cause that's what they hear. You either build your dream or you work for the person that does. And I'm like, I'm gonna figure this out. So that's what was going through my mind when I left closing and went to 
do the um, the blog writing, right. it was because I didn't even think that I was doing blog writing. It felt like I was getting closer to my commercials dreams. Right. So right. it wasn't even a thought. It's just a step. Yeah, yeah. Until I got over there, I was like, "Fuck!" Like. Okay. So after a month of that, <laughs> it sucked. Yeah. And then so I walked in Jay's in office. office. Yeah, I walked in his office and was like, "Hey, man, thank you so much, but um, I don't think this is gonna work out for me." And that was that was my fault. Because for that month, I could have been writing commercials every single day and every single night mm -hmm. and sliding them under his desk. I could have been, I'm on the team. I'm on the same floor in the same department with the people who are writing the commercials. Right. I'm in the marketing team. Right. I should have been networking every single chance that I got. Yeah. But I didn't. So I go back and that's when the story picks up of me hating going back to work. Because then I was demoted from leadership and put back into production. Mm -hmm. And it sucked. Mm -hmm. And I hated that. And I was also told that I would be, you know, first in line to be looked at to like be re like be promoted. The thing was in the refinance market, you have like ebbs and flows like life. Like it's mm -hmm. a season where it's booming, it's a season when it's not. And we had we had three operations directors, we had two leaders for three teams. So we already had nine people. Then you had two leaders for three teams. So you had 11, 13, 15. You had 15 leaders. Mm -hmm. It was way too many. Yeah. So the first couple people to get cut were the captains because we were the lowest on the leadership poll. But it was like, hey, you know, this is why you're getting cut. But when we look for more leaders, when we go backing that up in flow, you'll be the first ones. Right. And there were people who were getting selected for leadership roles who I knew I was more qualified than. I had more leadership skill than. And I had the camaraderie of the team. And these people were asking me for help. So it was like, I was mad. I was what do you salty. do in that situation? How do you prevent? Well, because like, okay, mm -hmm. knowing that you didn't allow yourself to, you know, let that spiral downwards. Yeah. Um, and sorry to sidetrack again, but I oh, feel I like that's you. really valuable. It's like when you see people getting something that you feel you deserve or you know you're worthy of mm -hmm. and you're not receiving the same. Mm -hmm. How do you stay on track um, without, you know, letting that be the source of downfall for you? I don't remember how I dealt with it at the time, but I know what I did, but what I want to say right now is that we wouldn't be having this conversation if I had got those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I'm also a firm believer in these things. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. Timing is everything and there are no coincidences. Mm -hmm. I would be miserable if I had got those leadership roles. Mm -hmm. I would be miserable but it seemed like what you, what you wanted then. I couldn't see the forest from the trees. Mm -hmm. All I saw was in front of me. Mm -hmm. I had no idea of the mess that was really there. Right. All while I needed to be patient and truly understand, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. So like that's that's what I that's what I tell my friends, that's what I tell anybody. It's like look, a lot of people are in that situation. Yeah, but if it's if, look, and that's the thing. Be okay with that. Yeah. Because you have no idea if what you really want is what you really need and it's going to either feed you for today yeah. Or feed you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, I remember that, like, you probably heard that quote, too, and it's like, you teach a man, give a man a fish, you live for a day, right. teach a man a fish, you live for a day. That's the thing. Like, we ask for today's food, and we don't ask how to learn how to prepare our own. So in that situation, all I wanted to eat was that day. I mm -hmm. wanted that leadership opportunity. Mm -hmm. And what I did, and going back to the beginning of the story, when I heard Bill talk about Flatline Company, another thing that he said was that we were servant leaders mm -hmm. and that our, lever, our leaders in servant leadership are supposed to identify the skill sets of all of our team members. Right. And if we get people 
in positions that match their skill set, then we're going to be great. Mm -hmm. But you don't need a tire being a windshield. Like, that doesn't work. Mm -mm. And for me, I was a tire doing a windshield. So I made it a point in every leadership discussion that I had to provide facts because I was, you know, top call quality, top production, like never allowed it to affect my work, but to never let up on your dreams. Like, be persistent. Like, if you're not chasing, my, my boy, Jonte, again, used to say something like that. Don't follow your dreams. Chase them. Yeah. And I, I needed to be persistent. I needed to chase a future. So having those conversations with my leader resulted in us bringing in higher leadership. And it resulted in a partnership that we have with operations and business consulting, where they take you from operations and they put you in business consulting for 90 days because you have the level of knowledge that they need in order to Uh, do a project or finalize something. Mm -hmm. And day one of my 90-day period, I sat across from a young lady named Bill. God bless Bill. She was the divisional vice president of the team. And I said, Bill, Mm -hmm. look, if this doesn't work out, then maybe this entire family of companies isn't for me. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And my 90 days turned into like 120. And she was like, do we have you? And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I came into work one day and God was like, go ask Gretchen something. Now, Gretchen is the program manager on a team called the Cheese Factory. Mm-hmm. And the program that she manages is an internal shark tank. Mm-hmm. Coming and knowing my personality and me being on the Cheese Factory, she said, hey, we're looking for a host. Since you're on the Cheese Factory, it makes sense for the us to have representation of the So it's host. like a literal shark tank. Like Quicken Loans yeah. has a yeah. shark tank where... where people will come and pitch ideas to investors. So we pitch ideas to senior leaders in the area. Okay. And the ideas, like we pitch it to your CEO, you pitch it to like a bunch of different people who can actually make that idea happen. All within the FOC? Yeah, for sure. Cool, cool. So I hosted that event. Yeah. And did a great job, was super prepared. Then I hosted another one and another one. And then Mm -hmm. those were those three events that I mentioned earlier where I really started to identify what my purpose was. And then I started to host these larger events. So that onboarding event that I talked about. Now that's something that I host every single quarter at at Kobo. We had one last Thursday. Well, this one is called Mission FOC. But we do have an Isms Day also. So I started to host two of the three large events that we have. And the thing about my event is that no matter what your role is in any FOC, you have to come. Uh-huh. So you could be a CEO, yeah. you could be anything, you have to come. And we have an internal directory where you can search people. It's an amazing company called Sift. Yeah. And it does more than give you like the person's title and their number and email. You can put uh, goals in it. You can Interest. put interest. Yeah, yeah, all of that. So I've I don't know that. what I searched, but my now leader, vice president of content, Dana Robinson, popped up. Mm-hmm. And I got a meeting with Dana. And I've always been a person to shared ideas and things. Like, it's no reason why StockX shouldn't have an Alexa skill set. Right. For me to say, like, Alexa, you know, what's the highest trading shoe on StockX? Like, yeah. that should be there. Yeah. So I'm giving her ideas like that. And Dana's also pretty dope. She's an Emmy Award winner. Uh-huh. So I was like, yo, Dana, if, you know, if there's any opportunities for us to work on content or anything like that, let me know. And she never hit me up. But when she did, it was for this Wu-Tang Clan commercial. And they needed a spokesman. And then they chose me. And then after I did that... I guess Dan Gilbert saw it and liked it. And then our CEO, Josh Luber, saw it and liked it. And Josh found my number somewhere and texted me. and was like, you work at StockX. And then that's when we uh, he told had you. conversations. He yeah, texted you I mean, said, yeah. hey, you I said, work at StockX Yeah, that's now. what he said. And okay. I sent him like a 50 cent emoji or a Wu-Tang emoji, something like that. I like that. And then that was it. And then we started talking and we made it official. So, cool. Yeah. So it's been StockX since then. Yeah, it's the X, baby. Yes. So I'm on one year anniversary. It was last Mar- last April or this April. So I'm a, a year in. Yeah. It almost, you know, I mean, I know the company's young too, but it feels like, like, uh, you know, 
they're synonymous with the, you and you and the company are synonymous with each other. So. Yeah, you know what? I missed a portion of the story where I created this role called Culture Ambassador for Quicken Loans. Yeah, and it was because I identified that I wanted to speak and I needed to do that regularly. Mm-hmm. So when I brought that over to StockX, when Josh and I started to have those conversations, mm-hmm. it was because I was intentional and had a clear focus and a mindset of what I wanted to do. Right. Because I understood like what I wanted to do was speak and inspire people. Mm-hmm. And when you have the ability to do, let me just use my life. When you have the ability to communicate, you're able to go through many doors. As a communicator, you could be on radio. You could probably do television. You can do, you can do what you can do things that require people to speak. Mm-hmm. But all of those doors, although you may be able to operate in them, aren't where your purpose is, and you may be miserable. Mm-hmm. So that's what was taking place. Like, yeah, I was culture ambassador, but I really wasn't able to do the things that I wanted. And luckily, it was a season where I didn't really have to do much. So it allowed me to be patient and really focus and identify what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I identified that I wanted to be the face of brands. Mm-hmm. So the first meeting that Josh and I had, that's what I said. My next move is to be the face of brands. Right. And that's what I'm doing. That's yeah. what that's what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was such that that's the direction where StockX was headed. Right. Where they were looking. Exactly. That face. exactly. So mm-hmm. we are, you know, it was, it was perfect. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the transition from a corporate role to a creative role. Yeah. And how that, you know, uh, I'm sure it almost felt like you were breaking out of a shell or a cocoon yeah. or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's figuring out who you really are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's almost like you got to become somebody to operate in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain mold, like you have to follow these rules. You have to color in these lines in order to like make it. Mm-hmm. And being involved in that for six years, it was, uh, it wasn't difficult coming out because I was like on this coming out process. Yeah. And that's like why I was able to do that. Um, and it was, it, it wasn't difficult, but it's, it's so refreshing. Yeah. Like it's so refreshing to do the things that you love and have those things be tied to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry, I forgot the question like halfway in. But. Oh, I'm just saying like uh, the transition from a corporate role to a creative role. It's lit. Yeah. If you're a creative person, right. like it ain't it's for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like yeah. if you, if you, um, I guess the reason I ask is because mm-hmm. I know that there are a ton of, of listeners who are totally creative and, and they're probably being, you know, held up in a job where they need to make money, you know, and and it might not necessarily be what they want to do. So, you know, what goes into, you know, what, what would be your advice to that person? Um, it's like a decision you got to make either you quit Mm -hmm. and go hard and do Mm -hmm. what you want to do, or you stay there and at night do what you want to do. Right. But the thing that you can do is let your creativity die. Right. It's the one thing that you can't do. And I think a lot of people do that. And it's like this. Again, it's not a conscious decision because you feel like that's what you have to do in order to survive. I have to make money. My creativity isn't what's paying the bills right now, so I got to put it on the back burner. But why? And a thing that I'm going through right now, like for the past five or six days, I've been waking up earlier. I've been meditating, I've been stretching, mm-hmm. and I've been preparing myself for the day. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is something that I found before but lost is the value of inner peace. Mm-hmm. 
and how greater is in me than what's in the world. And if my happiness is driven on anything that's external, none of which is in my control. So everything else has control over my joy and my peace. Mm -hmm. So as a creative, like, I think that's where our, we find our most joy is when we're creating. Nothing makes me happier than being on camera mm -hmm. or like being on stage outside of like the love I have for my son or, or speaking and watching someone else be moved by my words. Mm -hmm. But even that's me being creative. Yeah. And it's like you have to tap into that joy, tap into that, because that's why we're here. We're not here to like, you know, I used to say, keep up with the Joneses. And then shout out to Diddy. He said, I'm keeping up with the Combses. Like, we're not here to like keep up with people. Like, it's you have to find out your your truth, your passion. And if it's not pulling up in the Maserati, like, that's cool. Like, go paint, go draw, like, do what makes you happy, but you have to do it. Like, don't, don't die. Mm -hmm. Don't let yourself die. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know. I think that's really valuable advice. Um, do you think that banking played a role or do you think that banking uh, contributes to your creative creativity today? I don't think I was in it long enough. <laughs> I was yeah. only there for a month. Yeah. Like, yeah. Probably not. Cool. <laughs> um, your content on at StockX can mm. often garner a huge uh, view, you know, viewership. Uh, do you feel like it's ever difficult to balance Kevin on camera and Kevin off camera? No, I pretty much think I'm the same person. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm high-spirited. I'm always loud. I'm always laughing. I want to make people around me feel great. Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty much the same person. I think it's like a, a seamless a seamless existence between the camera and the, and the Kev in real life. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, are, what are, like, some of the – what are some accomplishments outside of, like, your career that you're proud of? Um, I think I'm an amazing father. Uh, one of the things that I feel like um, that we lack in African-American community – is a lot of role models that are in your family. Mm -hmm. Like you have the the symbolism. That's why I got my Obama OA hat on because that symbolism was huge in showing people of all walks of life that you can do anything that you want. Mm -hmm. And one of the things specifically for myself as a black man, I don't think that I had the type of family or the type of structure that built up my mindset to let me know that like you are a rock. Mm -hmm. Like people said you can do anything, but I don't really feel like they drilled it in me like I probably needed to. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's what I do with my son. And I wanted to build his subconscious so that when he goes into the workforce, when he goes in the world and he's surrounded by people who may not look like him, he doesn't feel inferior. Mm -hmm. So when he was when he could talk, it was Josiah. Anything is he'll say possible. You can do anything like mm -hmm. and that's what we did. And for me, that's a huge accomplishment. And. Outside of that, I'm a firm believer in speaking things into existence. So two years ago, I was scrolling on Twitter and saw this thing called Afrotech. Mm -hmm. And it's the largest African-American technology conference in the world. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted, I want to host Afrotech next year. Right. And I did that. And did it in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And then the CEO of it and the founder of it, they were here. And they flew me out to San Francisco to do it. Wow. So like I did that. And I'm speaking into existence right now. I'm going to be the in-game arena host for the Detroit Pistons in the 2019-2020 season, and we're going to get that. I love that. You heard it here. Yeah, hear. yeah. Fact, Make sure yeah. they hear that. Yeah, for sure. No choice. For sure, man. Yeah, man. Like, stuff like that. Like, allowing my my little cousins to, to see me doing my thing and yeah. to be able to inspire them, to see people. I went to Toronto last weekend, 
And the first place that we went to, somebody walked up and was like, yo, it's StockX. Mm-hmm. And like before we left, he's like, hey, mind if I grab a picture? And it's like being able to be positive because that's what I, I want to have a platform. People, I forgot what I was watching, but this guy said like when you speak on stage in front of a lot of people, before you speak, before people buy in, they want to know who you are mm-hmm. and what you've done to like become a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. And I want to have a recognizable face, not to be famous, but so I don't have to tell people who I am and why they need to get this message and why they should feel it. Right. But like, and that's what I've been able like, to let's do. Let's get straight to the yeah, point. Yeah, like when people see me and they say StockX, it's like an immediately... It's the, the barrier of entry has been broken mm-hmm. and I can immediately hit you with the positivity. I can immediately show you da 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 da. Like my leader came in one day and was like, yo, I was on the elevator and this lady was like, did you see Kevin? It's <laughs> like, yeah, like he's on, he's on TV, but he talked to me like I was a regular, like a regular person. Yeah. It's like, of course, because like we all are. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. ha- having that ability to like have someone say that when you're not around it's like, that's what I want. I want people to feel great no matter who you are. Because it doesn't matter. Like, we all are people in here. Yeah, everyone has value and, and everyone can be empowered and feel feel like they're important. Facts, man. Yeah. That's, that's my accomplishment. Yeah. Having people hit me up on IG and being like, your wise words were inspiring. Yeah. Or... They love the, to see the so thankful for today. Mm-hmm. Like people, like people hit me in the DM and be like, yo, thank you for that. Or like those people that I responded to around the give me advice. Like, thank you so much for that. Like I needed that. Like those are the wins for me. Yeah. And I mean, as a listener of, of your content, you know, and a viewer, I am often like so inspired by what you're putting out. Thank you, so man. I, I often am very grateful for that. Thank you. Um, what about Same 24? And uh, like, what what is that? And what does operate in your greatness mean? Man, I got to get back on Same 24. So Same 24 completely changed my life. And mm-hmm. it was, I call it a lifestyle brand that I created because it is a lifestyle. Yeah. Same 24 stands for we all have the same 24 hours in our day. Yeah. And our greatness is determined by how we utilize that. Mm-hmm. So operating in your greatness means capital your greatness it's three different people in this room we all have our own greatness Mm -hmm. we may be on similar paths and clearly we are because we're here right now but we have our own greatness Mm -hmm. a few years back i started to look at people like colors of the rainbow we're all different colors Mm -hmm. but if we all want to be yellow if the whole rainbow was yellow it wouldn't look that nice Mm -hmm. we need everyone to operate in their own greatness for the rainbow to be as beautiful embrace the differences and that's what it's about figuring out what your greatness is and then when you understand it operate in it move in that direction it's like Mm -hmm. when people say like my my old teacher Miss Marcia Sakwa she used to say don't tell us show us right and it's like operating in that greatness walking that talk yeah be you operating your greatness because you are great mm-hmm. show it that's great um also on that same topic you have an ongoing series on social media that you dubbed wise words of the day facts where did that come from it's been a few years running now huh man yeah, it, yeah. like it started on snapchat yeah and when i started to leave snapchat shout out to snapchat though we had some folks from snapchat in the office today they were super dope but then i really started liking instagram a little bit more mm-hmm. but wise words of the day We all have wise words. Mm -hmm. When I talked earlier about because we're alive, we still have a story. I feel as though no matter who you are, right, we all have different lives. Even Mm -hmm. if you have a twin brother, you're not with him every single day of your life. Right. There's some differences in the two of you. 
We all have differences. We all have certain experiences that have shaped our reality. And it's through those different experiences that we've developed different perspectives and different perceptions of of the world. Mm -hmm. And I can learn from everyone. So if you're Dan Gilbert, that's a billionaire, or you're the person on the Lodge Freeway with the sign that says, help, I need a dollar for food, I can learn something from the two of you. And knowing that, you can approach them with the same... You know, there's there's no difference in, in your approach with uh, yeah you know, at all yeah. So my wise words is is to broadcast the wise words of everyone I can come in contact with. Mm-hmm. So like I, I have to get like a certain vibe or a certain energy, but then I put it on my Instagram and they say you know my name is my wise words are and they communicate whatever message is on their heart. Mm-hmm. I tell them like look I don't care what you say or for how long you want to say it, but say my name is my wise words are and and do your thing. And honestly, like I've seen so many now and, and it, as different as they all are, there's like not a single one that's mm. like, oh, I can't relate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, man. And so I feel like it's so uh, once we break down that, like, you know, the wall, the barrier of mm. uncomfort sometimes it's, or discomfort, it's easy for everyone to open up. And if you give them the platform, they're going to share what they yeah. want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's to do it's to inspire people, because no matter what like someone would say like i don't know what i'm gonna say man and nobody's gonna care like the idea is that it, if it affects one person it was meant to be mm-hmm. like everybody doesn't have to get everything that everyone says but if one person can be affected by it in a positive way then you were meant to speak that day hmm. what inspires you oh man very what loaded question inspires me um like as as a broad question or like in a particular lane or is what inspires me? Currently what's inspiring you, I guess. What's inspiring me? Um I mean this sunlight right now, like it's inspiring me a lot. Like I I love the sun, man. Yeah. There's something about walking outside and letting that sun hit your skin. It's like it's the energy. Yeah. The sun is inspiring. <clears throat> um seeing all of these successful women is is so inspiring. Yeah. Like it's we're seeing this this surge of just extreme femininity in like so many different lanes Mm -hmm. and it's all happening at one time. Mm -hmm. And that's so inspiring Um, to see a lot of creatives. Like a lot of my friends that I went to high school with are like doing their thing. Like Mm -hmm. um, Tony Hooligan, Sheafy, like we all come from the same high school and Mm -hmm. to see everybody bubbling up and popping and like doing their thing. Like that's dope. Mm -hmm. Troy, like seeing Troy go off and like he put up a, uh, like the cover of Time Magazine with Muhammad Ali. Like to see that, yeah. like he do, he's doing his thing. Oh, yeah. Like watching people operate in their greatness is inspiring to me. Yeah. Because one of the things that I like to do is show love. Mm-hmm. I like to show love and I like championing people. And I love introducing people because I want to I want them to feel as great as they are, like as great as I see them. Yeah. So if I could say like what inspires me. It is uh, watching people operate in their greatness. I, I would say that that really inspires me. Yeah, I agree. And then it's like oftentimes I say like my only requirement to be my friend is that you got to inspire me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And I like that, that a lot. You keep a lot of good company around that way. Mm. I really like that. Yeah. Um, as we kind of wind down here, I just want to talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you just started to incorporate meditation into your life yeah has it ever been is it is it new for you or is it something that yeah you're- shout out my guy jake 
Uh, Jake owns a company called Meditation Works. He was just on our last Word episode. up. That's my boy. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm walking down the street. Mm-hmm. This is back when I was really on my Snapchat game. Mm-hmm. And I saw his mobile meditation unit. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, like, what's going on here? Tell us, tell the people about what you're doing, you know, my phone and stuff like that. And then we kept in contact. And um, I was like one in the pilot group when he first started with QL. Mm-hmm. And that was maybe a year and a half ago. And yeah. I was going consistently for like a year. And it was the best thing ever. Like, I feel like I'm a high energy person. Mm-hmm. And it didn't lower my energy, but it allowed me to channel it and yeah. focus it and to use it right. It's like Russell Westbrook. Like, he's always on 100 at times. Mm-hmm. But when he scales it down and he knows the right time to burst, it can be more impactful. And that's what I found with, with meditation. And then I fell off the wagon and was doing some dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I felt off-centered lately. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was rushing. I didn't have my flow. I went to therapy, and my therapist, um, Dr. Brody in the Fisher Building, shout out to Dr. Brody, she called it being on your thread. Mm-hmm. And when you're on your thread, life is good. But when you're off, let me give you this. Shout out to Pastor Stephen Furtick, Elevation Church around the world. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Bishop T.D. Jakes. They're having a conversation. Bishop T.D. Jakes says life operates on a rhythm. Mm-hmm. He's like, look at the world. It turns on a rhythm. Your heartbeat beats on a rhythm. The mm-hmm. blood is flowing through your body on a rhythm. Sun goes up, sun goes down. 24 hours is a day. 365 is a year or a leap year. Everything is on a rhythm. Mm-hmm. When you see someone dancing beautifully, training beautifully they're on beat it's a rhythm it's looking nice when you see one not you see someone not on beat you can tell that something's off Mm -hmm. it's similar to us when we're not on rhythm in our life when we're off beat as a person operating in this world that's on a rhythm it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. something's not right so for me that's what i felt i felt off beat i felt off rhythm something wasn't right and i had to get back on Mm -hmm. and it was about understanding inner peace like i think i had lost my connection with god it was like i I really felt like off yeah like i was the same but i feel like in certain instances like i was overcompensating like it wasn't as natural as it was yeah and not and i've I've been feeling better leading up to this but six weeks ago i don't know what it was but it was like let me take a breath yeah and let me start to wake up earlier and and ramp up my day Instead of immediately waking up and checking Instagram or like doing this or doing that, like, like let me relax. Mm-hmm. Let me calm myself. Take 30 minutes to do some stretches, maybe a couple push-ups, a couple sit-ups, mm-hmm. and breathe and close my eyes and, and control my mind instead of allowing my mind to control me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's been really good, man. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. Thank I'm you, a man. big proponent of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you read often? Man, I do not. I never read. Okay. Man. We'll skip that question. No, no, no. But but I <laughs> I have a book on my desk today because I was talking to my guy, Jason Heaton. Yeah. Heading, and uh, he was saying, like, yeah, man, we had a longer conversation. But he was like, yeah, 30 minutes a day. Right. 30 to an hour. He was like, just do that. Right. And wherever you stop at that time stop. is where you stop. Mm-hmm. So I went to his desk and was like, do you, I said, do you have any books on you? Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. So I went over to his desk and I, Pick, he gave me three books, and I like this Dream Giver book because of the way that it looked. Yeah. And I have that at my desk right now, so I'm going to start reading The Dream Giver. Good. So, yeah. I but like I, I wake up every morning, one of the first things that I do is go to myverseoftheday.com. Yeah. And I read, like, a Bible verse every day. So I do that, but as cool. far as, like, true literature or, like, you know, ex- extensive books, like, nah. I read his Michael Jordan book, like, two weeks ago, but that's because it had a lot of pictures. And I have beautiful. one that you would like. It's called Shoe Dog. And it's, and it's Phil Knight's memoir. 
The like other, Nike? The, yeah, Nike, yeah. And it's my favorite book I've ever read. I'm with it. Yeah, I'll lend it to you. For sure, for right, sure. Cool. I'll keep it in my backpack before okay. I run into you. Bet it up, bet it up. Yes, sir. Cool. So just two more questions. Yeah. I would be hard-pressed not to ask. What's your all-time favorite shoe and why? My all-time favorite shoe? Uh, The first thing that came to my mind, as basic for some people as it may sound, is like an all-white Air Force One. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Air Force Ones. Classic, clean. Too, yeah. yeah, I love yeah. those. And in 2007, the year that I graduated, I forgot where I was working. But for some reason, me and my friends, John T in particular, like we bought like every Air Force One that came out that summer. Because that's when they redid them, right? Yeah, and, yeah. They, and they had this pack. They they came out like it was like a an NBA pack. And mm-hmm. one of them was this Moses Malone Air Force One. And mm-hmm. I still have it. Damn. And it's got like this gravel... Like this gray, dark gray, and then a light gray gravel all around with this super red, almost ox bloody sole uh-huh. with the piping around it. And it's and his face is in the inside with like accomplishments. Sweet. And it's, I don't know what it is about that shoe, but I, I love that shoe. So it would be an Air Force One. And if I have to like pick a colorway, it would probably be that Moses Malone. Sweet. Because that 07 summer was like amazing. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your holy grail? Is there anything you're like, in, in the search for the grill i mean like i'm a huge kanye west fan i don't okay. know what's going on the music is my it's my you know what i'm saying late registration when that yeah. album came out it was everything yeah so for me it would probably be one of kanye's shoes and i would be happy with any of them if i yeah, got like yeah, a, yeah. one of the the nrgs like the second like nike the red october silhouette it'll be a red october yeah. or the other two that came out or a louis vuitton don but like right. one of one of those That'd be sweet yes man yeah and honestly, what Kanye is doing right now, I kind of appreciate The Sunday, bro, yeah. he needs to go on tour yes. with Sunday service. Yes. I that needs that. to be a tour. Yeah. And I, I actually like tweeted about it. I was saying, like, you know, there's a lot of things I don't agree with that Kanye does. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, clearly. And, and, and I just think that no matter what, um, if you're going to go out and you're going to preach that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that soulful goodness, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just something that's greater than anyone, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like really good for, um, culture to have that especially mm-hmm. in a place like Coachella where mm-hmm. it's all about consumption and yeah the owner of Coachella is known to be anti-LGBT and all that you really? know oh yeah hmm. I mean, he, he funds tons of that uh wow. anti-LGBT stuff and uh so it's it's really important that in culture we have those role models yeah so it's cool yeah. for me too like Chance the Rapper too is another, yes another I need that Chance album yes. I need that yes. album Chance for sure for Great. Sure. so when Chance was at uh, the Fox I think mm-hmm. like last year or something like that mm-hmm. I take my sister to almost like every concert I go to yeah she's search Melinda LeBeau if you like music M-A-L-I-N-D-A L-E-B-E-A-U LeBeau like on some French shit it means like the beautiful Mm-hmm. Um, so Melinda LeBeau But I take Melinda to like all the concerts That's my little sister I love her So we yeah. go to the Chance concert And like we're sitting on the floor Right up under the balcony mm-hmm. And I swear to you I thought that shit was gonna break mm-hmm. It was Like it was bouncing And I was like Oh Like I was I was scared Yeah and but that was before Coloring Book. That's when Coloring Book was out. Like, he oh, was okay. performing Coloring okay, Book. Okay, okay. And he brought out Ha Ha, because Ha Ha's from Detroit. Yeah. So who's on the album? Like, oh, big fella, you going to right. drum, big fella? Like, it was, it was banging. So I say that to say I am so ready for another chance album. I, I yeah. need that. Me too. Okay, lastly. Yep. Kevin, what are your wise words of the day? Uh, to find your inner peace, to find your joy and find your happiness, and do not attempt to find it anywhere outside of yourself because none of that is in your control. When I'm walking down my stairs in the morning before leaving, I say the serenity prayer is God 
Grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Find your inner peace, find your passion, find your purpose, and once you do, never let it go. Amazing. Thanks so much for this uh, conversation. I appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, it's Thank been you. been so fun. Thank you, man. It has. Cool. We'll have to have you back in the future. Let's do it. All right, bro. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in and thanks to our sponsor, Great Lakes Coffee Roasting Company for keeping us super caffeinated in the studio here. And just a reminder to our listeners, coffee lovers, you can use code WELLBEING at checkout at greatlakescoffee.com for 10% off your first order of coffee, coffee supplies, and much more.